Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning. And welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 22nd of April, here on Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre. And,、uh, of course, it's brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links and those contacts, Giselle. You can find us on the web, all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so just find us there. You can ring us on 966-37277. And you can email us at aawl at aawl.org. That's right, and we've got a packed program today, but a couple of quick、uh, things. First of all,、um, thanks to Solidarity Breakfast、uh, for another interesting program, and the music that、uh, you were hearing was Vanna Gloria from、uh, Zen Circus and Brian Rich. Quite a boppy, boppy sound, really. And of course, don't forget, listeners, that you've got one more week to do the listener survey.、Um, you go on our website and you'll find the listener survey. Only take five minutes, and you can tell us how much you love us. Because obviously, if you're listening, you must love us. Isn't that right, Giselle? That's the rumor I heard. And anyway, on this、uh, program, we'll have, we'll、um, quickly go to our、um, um, news stories. But、uh, just to let you know, the interview that's coming up、uh, around、um, quarter past、um, or thirteen past nine o'clock. That's right. So we're,、um, it's not quite an interview. This is the、um, a part, an excerpt of the speech that Dipanka gave at the Marxism conference. Dipanka is on the central committee of、um, one of the labour trade union centres in India.、Uh, in fact,、um, they were heavily involved in the pre-coal dispute, even though he doesn't talk about that in the in the talk that he gives. That sounds fascinating. So we'll go straight to the、um, news items, and of course, um, um, this um, the twenty eighth of April. This later this week, which I think、um, from memory is Friday, is International Occupational Health and Safety Day. And、um, as、um, listeners would know, millions of workers either die or get sick every year due to unsafe working conditions. On the twenty eighth of April, um, workers, um,、uh, it's an international commemoration day for workers who have been killed or injured. Through work, unions are the best guarantee for a safe and healthy workplace. This marks this day marks our demand as a class to demand our right to a safe and healthy workplace. Unions, labour organisations, and labour activists will hold events and rallies all around the world. In Melbourne, that will be、um, an a, an event outside Trades Hall.、Um, I think at ten o'clock, Giselle, on Friday, twenty eighth of April. And、uh, the other big event on the international labour movement's calendar is May Day, a few days after、um, International Workers Memorial Day. May Day has been celebrated internationally since eighteen eighty six as the day for workers to unite as a class. Capitalists and governments are killing us in our workplaces and in our communities. Workers need to stop the politics of austerity and war. March in solidarity with workers in struggle everywhere. There will be rallies right across the world. In Melbourne, the、um, May Day rally will be at one o'clock on Sunday, the seventh of May, outside of Trades Hall. There'll also be a reading of international statements followed by a rally on Monday, the first of May, at five thirty p.m. And there'll also be oh, sorry, that is commencing at the State Library. And then at twelve o'clock on the first of May, there will. 
also be a um, a gathering at the Eight Hour Monument. So a lot of activities to get involved and uh, unite as a class around the world. We now go um, overseas for a particular incident. Um, really, it's a very um, tragic one. We're um, in Sri Lanka. We're in the afternoon on the 14th of April in an outlying area of Colombo. A huge section of a rubbish dump came crashing down on workers' homes. With recovery efforts still ongoing a week later, the final uh, death toll is likely to top 50 people. Around 150 houses were either destroyed or seriously damaged. This disaster was not an unfortunate accident, but the result of a complete lack of interest by successive governments to the dangers that these working class communities were facing. In the aftermath of this collapse, a government representative went so far as to blame the workers themselves for the deaths. And isn't that a um, a, um, a usual story and really fits in very well with the uh, International um, Day for Health and Safety coming up Friday? Absolutely. Uh, in Australia, around 200 woodworkers were locked out this week by their employer, Carter Holt Harvey, in Myrtleford, a regional town in southeast Australia. This dispute is a result of a breakdown of negotiations for a new workplace agreement, with workers seeking reasonable wage increases and improved income protection insurance coverage. This dispute is very similar to the recent ones at CUB and Parmalat, where employers also locked out workers in a bid to break their spirit. These workers are covered by the Electrical Trade Union, the Construction, Forestry, Mining and Energy Union and the Australian Manufacturing Workers Union. The workers are also supported by their regional workers' councils. And uh, we wish all those workers all the best. We now go um, next door to Australia, really, uh, to New Zealand, where um, a bit of a, a, a good news story that this week, after a five-year campaign, over 50,000 mainly women workers in the age, residential care, home support and disability services won a multi-year pay rise. This increase is a recognition that workers were receiving poverty wages and were subjected to systemic exploitation. Unions now hope that this increase will be implemented fully and that it will, it will represent only a start that will flow on to other sectors where workers are systematically underpaid. Highlighting these issues, workers in the fast food sector went on a coordinated industrial action, uh, action this week to call for higher wages and better conditions across that industry. It really sounds very similar to the situation here in Australia. Moving now to Korea, the protests against new USA military installation, the TARD missile system, are continuing with actions taking place on a weekly basis. The anti-militarism movement has been able to use the momentum of the successful anti-park actions to galvanise opposition to this new military system. The proposed deployment of the THAAD comes at a time of increasing tensions in the Korean peninsula. The South Korean government is deploying increasing numbers of police to counter the demonstrations. And uh, for our last news item, we go from uh, East Asia to all the way to West Asia, where in an unprecedented um, event, and we go to Palestine, um, 1,500 Palestinians being held in Israeli jail began a coordinated, open-ended mass hunger strike earlier this week. The hunger strike is being dubbed the Freedom and Dignity Strike. The demands of the prisoners are around better access to family, medical treatment, as well as a whole series of improvements to their conditions of incarceration. 
While this strike is only a week old, already the political tensions are increasing in the face of Israel's intransigence and unwillingness to negotiate. So there are events are being staged globally, and I think this is certainly a story we'll have to keep an eye out, given the um, the huge numbers of Palestinians prisoners that are involved. And um, that's the end of our news roundup. We'll go to a quick committee announcement, and then we'll be back with that uh, excerpt of uh, Dipanka's speech. Hey, this is Nick from Pinyar. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. Dipanka is on the National Committee of a left-wing trade union centre in India. He was, in, he was invited to participate in the Marxism conference organised by Socialist Alternative over the Easter long weekend, just the weekend gone. Uh, thank you to Annie McLaughlin from Solidarity Breakfast for recording this particular speech and we bring you an excerpt of it now. Had India been left free, if India could sort of evolve on its own, then probably from feudalism it would have uh, had some kind of independent capitalism. But there was the colonial interruption, intervention, and colonialism sort of uh, you know, struck this kind of structural alliance with everything pre-modern. So while some kind of capitalism developed, so the entire feudal survivals in India, feudal vestiges, the relics, uh, they got a new lease of life. So a very stubborn feudal survivals, they still dominate in India in many parts. So it's a mix. We call ourselves a backward capitalist country with a strong, stubborn remnants of feudalism. And as you know, that in feudalism, the key word is not economic exploitation. The key word is extra economic coercion. So coercion, social coercion, bondage, slavery, these are the things which are actually, which uh, you know, determine or kind of mark a feudal rule. So for... Indian labor, Indian working class, large segments of them, they are, yet, they are not free working class. So rural labor in India is still in many areas and in varying degrees, varying degrees of bondage, varying degrees of attachment. So the question of uh, when we talk about rural labor struggle, don't uh, think that this is kind of free farm labor. You know, it's often also semi-bonded kind of labor who are half peasant, half labor, they have a bit of land, they still have hunger for land, they want their own piece of land to cultivate. So it's a kind of mix between you know, poor peasantry, marginal peasantry, uh, and agricultural laborers. So that's the kind of uh, society we still have uh, in rural India especially. And then uh, in terms of the economy, uh, we still have, let's say, 50% of our employment is still in agriculture, 50 to 60%. Even though in terms of uh, GDP, agriculture will probably be contributing only now 15% or you know, 10% or 20%. And like in other economies here too, we never really had a big manufacturing base, but whatever base we had, even that is uh, shrinking, and it's a big uh, bulging service sector which uh, predominates in the Indian economy. And, uh, yeah, so that's it, really. I mean, so from colonialism now, uh, the, it's a 
globalized world and so imperialism is again a big factor. Uh, so all our policies uh, are in one way or other we can say they are dictated by the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, the WTO, uh, by the imperialist powers. But there is also a kind of you know, domestic constituency for it. So the kind of Indian uh, bourgeoisie and Indian ruling classes, I think they love it. So don't uh, let's presume that there is a lot of conflict. There will be occasional conflict on some questions with uh, maybe WTO, with the IMF, with this condition or that condition. But by and large, uh, there is a lot of concurrence. And since uh, 1990 and increasingly so, I think there is a complete convergence uh, with uh, U.S. imperialism in terms of foreign policy. That's a major shift which has taken place in India. So India began as a non-aligned country, even though that non-alignment was uh, in quite tilted towards uh, the Soviet Union. And in the 70s, we had a kind of strategic partnership with the Soviet Union. When the uh, Bangladesh Liberation War was happening, India and Soviet Union, we were kind of in the same bracket, and Pakistan and America, they were in the same bracket. But now, uh, India also finds this Islamophobia quite handy. So we have our own domestic history of Hindu-Muslim contradiction, what you call communalism. The word has a different meaning in India. It doesn't mean anything communitarian. It's, hmm. a, it's a kind of prejudice and hatred and all that. So that has got a global context now, so Islamophobia, and so India is a very happy partner, according to Huntington's thesis of clash of civilizations. Mm -hmm. So, and there is an added dimension, containment of China. So for Americans, it is now Islam, and then Confucianism, China. These are the two biggest global enemies. And in tackling both, India is a very friendly, important ally. So... Kind, our Indian rulers are enjoying this, uh, okay, this global alliance, war on terror or whatever. So this is the context of a kind of class struggle in India. And um, the issues that come up uh, against class struggle, first thing was, of course, nationalism. So anything, if you can say this is anti-national, then uh, you will have to defend, no, I'm, you are not anti-national. So defending, as I think what Bhagat Singh tried, so finding a link... Uh, so anti-colonial to anti-imperialist nationalism. And in fact, uh, today our rulers, they will talk about nationalism, but that nationalism is very much uh, you know, in league with imperialism. So their nationalism is only muscle flexing against Pakistan, a bit of rivalry with China. But when uh, Indians are getting killed today in the United States, we have already had some probably four or five people mm -hmm. of Indian origin having been killed since Trump came to power. <laughs> Uh, Narendra Modi won't even have the guts of lodging mm -hmm. a formal complaint with the United States. So that's where nationalism ends. So nationalism is against Pakistan, nationalism is against uh, China. That's their nationalism. So I think uh, so that nationalism of our rulers and some kind of nationalism of the people. So you might find it a bit contradictory in terms. We might think the nationalism per se is bound to be you know, bourgeois, is bound to be anti-people. But I think uh, in a colonial kind of context with a country with that kind of history. So we have to find a way of, you know, so like uh, in Communist Manifesto also, if you go back and read the Communist Manifesto, they said the nation, workers of the world unite, but nation is the first terrain 
where you have to defeat the capital. Defeat capital, he said, that you have to declare yourself the nation. So workers of the country, you have the global stage to defeat capital, but more specifically, you have your own national stage where you have to defeat capital and declare yourself the nation. I think I take Communist Manifesto in that spirit, and everywhere, especially in countries with this kind of colonial background, that challenge remains. The other thing is when you talk about class struggle in the countryside. So there is this great rural versus urban divide. In fact, uh, in our constitution, the preamble says India that is Bharat, or Bharat that is India. But then when uh, these rural rich, the Kulaks, the rich peasants, they came up with this whole thesis of India versus Bharat. So India means the urban, western, industrial, and Bharat that is rural India. So instead of country, I mean class struggle within rural India, so whenever you talk about it, they said, no, 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 this is Bharat, this is uh, the rural areas are in crisis, and more so there is an actual uh, raging agrarian crisis in India. So they will pit this urban-rural divide to stop any you know, class struggle in the countryside. Then caste, of course, is a big, big thing. And I think anywhere in the global context today, when you talk about class struggle, so it's closely, very closely linked with racism, the race and gender. Without that, you can't possibly talk about class. And if you are in India, you need a few more things. So caste. I mean, uh, some people, in some caste, you might think it's an overlapping kind of a thing. So basically, when you are talking about landless poor, they will be almost uh, exclusively Dalits. Uh, when you are talking about poor peasantry and marginal peasants, they will almost invariably be extremely backward castes or backward castes. But uh, when you are talking about the industrial working class, so you will find a lot of even uh, you know, upper caste people uh, because of the growing pressure on land, so they can't survive on land. So they were the first to join the industrial workforce. So, and that, that gives you a, in a, puts you in a very contradictory kind of situation. So there are workers in the industrial area. But when you go back to the village, you have that old upper caste mindset. So you had been the ruling kind of power in India. So that caste thing often creates a big problem. And Ambedkar was one person who, of course, began uh, with an independent Labour Party idea. And he said that, uh, you know, the bourgeoisie and Brahminism, these are the twin enemies for the working class in India. So you have the Brahmin, Baniya, bourgeois kind of an alliance that you are pitted against. But unfortunately, it's a tragedy of Indian uh, communist movement, of uh, Indian class struggle, that that uh, collaboration which had started between Indian communists and Ambedkar, it didn't last long. And by the time of 1947, when India attained independence, the constitution came into force, uh, Ambedkar had uh, moved away, or the communists had moved away, and uh, the Dalit movement, uh, by and large, it's, uh, you know, there is a lot of prejudice against the left, and of course the left also, I must admit, it carries a lot of uh, upper caste kind of baggage, so uh, anti-Dalit kind of prejudices, it used to be there. <laughs> So this uh, negotiating this uh, caste class, it's a, a very crucial challenge for us. Then again, uh, India being such a diverse country, vast country, regional disparity, and then this question of languages. 
so it's it's a major thing so it can be a major barrier and uh, indian rulers ruling classes they would like to impose hindi as the official not only as the official language but they would say it's your official mother tongue so in hindi imposition and people do react and revolt against it so language is again another thing that we have to constantly negotiate uh, so these are uh, issues that we have to you know negotiate uh, in terms of class struggle and just a few concluding words so when we uh, talk about let's say the agenda of class struggle today so for the rural poor land uh, wages and what i would call dignity these are the three key issues uh, which are you know the rallying point for and for them when i talk about land it is not just cultivable land it's also homestead land so there are a high percentage of people who are actually still homeless so they have to rely on the landlord you know for their own existence that's the and so the biggest easiest way for the landlord to put pressure on this poor that they will be evicted so this uh, fight for homestead land housing is a big question which unites in a way the urban workers uh, unorganized sector workers as well as rural workers for the peasants the big issue at the moment is land acquisition there is a land grab going on corporate land grab all over india and whatever legal safeguards we used to have uh, the adivasis i think they are being systematically watered down uh, if not scrapped and as i was telling yesterday that uh, in 1894 the british rulers they had uh, introduced one land acquisition act we managed to get rid of it uh, in the 2013 but then again modi is trying to go, go back to that 1894 act in some way or other people are resisting it so that's a major issue land reform land redistribution land rights in an overall sense uh, that's the biggest agenda for uh, class struggle in the countryside and uh, you come to uh, the workers only maybe 5% of indian workers we'll call them organized kind of uh, workers 95% belong to the unorganized sector informal sector and increasingly the people who are joining the workforce they are contract uh, workers they are casual workers they are not even recognized as workers they are kind of volunteers hmm. apprentices hmm. Uh, you know and especially women there is a tra- traditional uh, social kind of uh, role that you are caregiver so you actually earlier okay you were giving your caring for the family so now you do it for the society so they are they are the people who are actually running india's health services they are the people who are actually running india's uh, education system cooking uh, midday meals for school going children and they are the most insecure most ill treated most underpaid uh, you know segment of the working class today so working class is again we are having a changing composition of the working class more and more people are joining the workforce first generation workers and i think that they are uh, hungry for organization but they are hungry for struggle they need the struggle more than anybody else so there is one section of workers whose struggle is defensive they have their jobs to defend they have their job security to defend they have their rights to defend and there is a vast uh, uh, proportion of working class they have everything you know nothing to defend really everything to win and fight for so that's the kind of uh, terrain for the working class struggle unemployment uh, of course it's uh, rampant in india we don't have a right to work for the youth 
uh, unemployment allowance, uh, some uh, right to work. So we are trying to put it uh, right to work. It just uh, sounds very theoretical. So we are trying to formulate it as some kind of a demanding an employment guarantee act because luckily we now have some kind of a limited employment guarantee act for rural workers, so which uh, guarantees some 100 or 150 days of work uh, in a year for some uh, uh, minimum or less than minimum wages. So now we are demanding some kind of universal employment guarantee act which can cover uh, the youth. Uh, uh. So this basically this is the kind of agenda. Now, the big thing is for us communists uh, in class struggle, we openly talk about class struggle and no other political party will talk about class struggle. Uh, but they also wage class struggle. We have to understand that. So mm -hmm. class struggle, if you think that class struggle is always, by definition, it has to be communistic, by definition, it has to be revolutionary, I think that we are trivializing it. So it's a double-edged kind of thing. So if there are so many classes, so the ruling classes defending their class interest, that's also class struggle. They're waging class war on us. So, they, but without uh, talking about classes, because they are afraid of talking about classes, they'll talk about everything else, about the nation, about caste, about religion, everything else but class. So that in any in, in Indian, Indian context where there is uh, less clarity of class formation, the whole process is yet, uh, you know, it's uh, developing. So uh, there is an objective confusion about the demarcation of classes, the definition of classes, the formation of the classes. We would like to expedite that process, accelerate that process, so that uh, the classes become clearer, they assert clearly, more clearly. So there, these are the difficulties, and uh, the biggest thing within that we fight, that is economism. Communists also, we think, as though class is just an economic category. Even though the communist manifesto is the society which is divided into classes. So that's how this, I'm not comfortable at all with this new term, the new social movement. So for me, class struggle is a social movement. It's not an economic struggle. Class struggle is a very comprehensive kind of a movement. It is economic, it is social, it is cultural. And the battle of ideas, because ruling classes, they have their ruling ideas. And without that uh, gaining and imposing their ideas or securing some kind of legitimacy or what you call hegemony for their ideas, they can't possibly rule simply by coercion or simply by... Uh, kind of force. I often feel the only thing standing between us falling off that precipice and actually fighting our way back up the top of the hill is the trade union movement. I really believe that. We have the numbers, we have the commitment, we have the heart, we have the will to really fight. And the only way we're going to win that fight is to grow the union movement. That was Jed Carney talking up union. Stay tuned to Tracy Out for more union news. 8.55 on your AM dial or 3cr.org.au Twenty-seven minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio Three CR. You were listening to an excerpt of a speech that was delivered by Dipanka Bhattacharya. He's uh, on the um, central committee of a labour, um, a militant labour federation in India. Uh, he was addressing the Marxism conference, um, and of course that he provided some uh, historical and contemporary context on organising conditions in India. I found it absolutely fascinating. Uh, there was about 12 more minutes of that speech that listeners you will have missed out on, but we'll try and make it available to you. Um, we'll load it to our SoundCloud and 
and advertise that address for you. And that's really the end of the show. It's 28 uh, past 9 o'clock here on uh, Asia Pacific Current on your favourite community radio station. And, of course, don't forget that listener survey. You've got, I think, one more week to go. Um, give us your feedback. Tell us how much you love us. And um, and then we'll give you, I don't know, Fred or Frog or something. But uh, anyway... You're you not f- getting a Fred or Frog. You need to do the survey <laughs> just because you need to. Thank you, listeners, for your compliance. All right. Thank you for that, Giselle. Anyway, Anyway, you'll find the survey on the 3CR website. And, of course, don't forget this Friday is International uh, Day to commemorate our, our comrades who uh, were either injured or dead at work and to call for safe workplaces. Um, there's events all around the world, but here in Melbourne, it'll be at 10 o'clock outside Trades Hall in Ligon Street. That's all that we've got uh, for you today. Um, we'll be back next week, but stay tuned to 3CR uh, radio and keep listening and uh, Palestine remember will be coming up straight after this short announcement that's all from me Pierre Morrow and me Giselle Hanna you've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne Australia for more information go to allthews.3cr.org.au